This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. I I look back and as God brought judgment on Egypt, you remember all the plagues that came upon Egypt. And it's interesting, while Israel was right there in the middle of them, Israel wasn't hit by those plagues. They didn't have to deal with it. They came on the Egyptians. God knows how to, again, protect the remnant. Even as God brought, uh, again, his wrath upon the entire world through the flood, again, he protected Noah and his family. God knows those who are his children. The Bible tells us that he even has the hairs on our head numbered. The Bible also talks about a day of wrath that's coming on the whole earth. So what does that mean for us? Well, just like God protected Noah and his family from the flood, just like God protected the nation of Israel from the plagues in Egypt, God will protect us from the wrath to come. God has always been able to shield and protect his chosen remnant. He will do it again through the rapture. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Zephaniah, chapter 1, verse 3, for today's study. I look at this and I say, wow, the the wrath of God in the midst of all of this is coming. The fish of the sea, the, the birds of the heaven, man and beast, all of that. God says in verse 4, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off every trace of Baal from the, this place. The names of the idolatrous priest with the pagan priest. In other words, when he says every trace of Baal from the place, that's all of the idolatry that was going on in Israel or in Judah at that time. Because though we know Israel was wicked and wicked and and continued to be wicked until God just took them out, Judah had these times of revival and these times of crashing and going back into pagan worship and then times of revival. The unfortunate thing is most of the times of revival weren't a hundred percent. It was like we, we cleaned up most of the land, okay, but not all of it. They would still leave a few high places of worship, a few of the little pagan areas. Josiah, during Josiah's time, there was a great revival in the land. There was a time that, again, Josiah saw and he understood what was going on, and he called for a revival of the land, and we understand that. But God is saying, you know what? If you don't turn, This is what's going to happen. It's going to be a a total annihilation of your land. He says, those who worship the host of heaven on housetops, that's not sitting outside and worshiping the Lord as you gaze upon, you know, the, the heavens and the stars. No. What this is, is those that dwelled, or dealt, dwelt in, dabbled in, what's the word? Dabbled in this whole idea of astrology, also giving credence to other entities other than Jehovah God, and they would go on their housetops and worship these things, and there was all kinds of other pagan rituals that would be involved in that too that we won't get into here. Those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but also swear to Milcom. Now, the problem is, is some were coming in and they would be, oh, we worship you, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Israel. But then they're also worshiping this Ammonite God, 
at the same time. God's not impressed with unpure worship. The word says he's a jealous God. He says, I'll have no other gods before me, beside me, in the same room with me. I am the Lord thy God. You will worship me. And what was going on is they found this very convenient way of going to church, going to temple on Saturday, going to synagogue on Saturday, and then doing all these other pagan things throughout the week, getting involved in in pagan issues all throughout the week, and then coming together on the day of worship and worshiping the Lord. Aren't you glad that we're completely done with that and we don't see that anymore? Yeah, unfortunately, we see that quite a bit. We still see that. God's not impressed with unpure worship. And I think that there's many times, many of us, need to continually be repenting of that very thing. He says, those who have turned their, verse 6, those who have turned their back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. I see three things right here from verse um, verse 4, 5, and 6. Three things. One, those that are absolute pagan. Those that are absolute, I mean, I don't care anything about Jehovah God. I don't care about the things of God. I don't care, and, and bring it into today, I don't care about the things of Christ. I don't care about the church, anything. I'm just living my life as a pagan. And God says, I'm going to judge that. And then we have those that are playing church in, on one day of the week and being in the world, the other part, that unpure worship. And God says, I'm going to judge that too. And then I see a third one where he says, those who have turned back from following the Lord, those who had committed their lives to follow the Lord, but then they come back rather disappointed with the church, disappointed with life, disappointed with whatever, but they have turned and it says they've not sought the Lord. They're not even inquiring of him. And and in all of that, I see God is giving this warning pre-discipline. Do you understand that? He's giving the warning pre-discipline. It would be, as parents would say, son, if you keep doing that, this is what the consequence is going to be. Now you got a choice. You can either change your mind, change your attitude, change your direction, change your actions, or face the consequence. So even right here, I look at this and I see God, a gracious God, a loving God, a merciful God, is declaring, hey, I'm going to bring judgment on you guys. But you still have time. In verse 5, he says, be silent in the presence of the Lord God. And he says this here, don't don't bring me excuses. Uh, I, I would have served you, but... The church disappointed me. The pastor disappointed me. Other Christians disappointed me. Lord, you disappointed me. I, and, and I did that in my own life for three and a half years of my life. I, I turned back from the Lord. I turned back from the church. Just turned back from anything that I, that I knew was right. Why? Because I felt God had disappointed me. 
This is like way back. This is like back in the 80s. Some of you weren't even born then. You know, <laughs> I can't ever remember the 80s. But I do remember that time in my life that I was just so disappointed by God. I, I felt that I, I knew what God was telling us to do. And, uh, and, and I was even in ministry. And I thought for sure this was God. And the bottom was cut out from underneath us. It was just, whoosh. And, and, I, and I just, I, man, if, if I didn't hear from God in that, I can't hear from God. And so in my disappointment of how God treated me, in my anger, I walked away. Uh, didn't seek after him, didn't inquire of him. About three and a half years of my life. I knew the Lord was still there. Praise God, he protected me from a whole lot of stupidity that I could have gotten into. A whole lot. It was his grace, it was his mercy that allowed me to come back to him and just be restored. But whenever I see these things, I think, man, I'm brought back you know, to think the grace and the mercy and the long-suffering of God I believe continues for any of us, as long as we're sucking air, okay? As long as, as long as the heart is beating. But how many more beats do you have in your heart, Cheryl? You have no clue, do you? Mm-mm. How many more breaths are you going to take, Roger? We have no clue. We don't know the number of our days, but God does. Ladies, last night you came to a Bible study. Oh, it's great. Come to the church for a Bible study. But not a 100 yards from you, somebody was hit by a car and was killed last night, right on the corner. Bam. That could have been just as easily one of our ladies coming for the Bible study. No man knows the hour. No man knows the day. Some within our fellowship know that 17-year-old young man that was, that was killed in a head-on accident just a, a, a couple of weeks ago. 17 years old. I think, oh, Lord, how how quick it can come. Lord, you've given me another breath, another breath to either repent or another breath just to keep serving you. There's no excuses. The day of the Lord is at hand, for the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He's invited his guests. And it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the prince's And the king's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. It's interesting that foreign apparel, the princes, the king's children. In other words, there's no rank that's going to be excused from any of this. It's going to go from the very top all the way down. All such that are clothed in foreign apparel, I believe that that has more the idea of, of again, this, this idol worship. Uh, we can bring it into what the word speaks to us also, that being clothed in righteousness. Uh, and, the, again, the, the parables that Jesus speaks about going to the wedding feast and not being clothed rightly and not being allowed in the wedding feast maybe because that that foreign apparel man i don't have the righteousness i'm not clothed with the the righteousness of christ and that's what we need to be clothed with in that same day i will punish and this this is another weird one he says the same day i will punish all those who leap over the threshold 
who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. Well, what in the world does he mean by leap over a threshold? The best understanding is back in 1 Samuel chapter 5, we uh, read about how the, the Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the temple of Dagon and they thought, hey, this is a great deal. We've got the Ark of, of Israel with us. We're going to be able, we've got the power of Israel with us. We're going to be able to defeat it. And they put it in there with the, with the statue of Dagon there in their temple. And they left that night and the next morning they came in and their statue had fallen over, boom, and broke his arms. And he had fallen actually on the threshold, the entrance to the temple. And so from then on, the priests of Dagon would not step on the temple, on the threshold going into the temple. They would make sure that they would step over that. And you can read that in First Samuel chapter 5. And so some say, those who leap, I will punish those who leap over the threshold. Maybe he's talking about those, again, with those practice of, of pagan worship. We don't do that anymore, though, do we? How many of you heard the thing, step on a crack, you break your mother's back? I, I don't know if that's where that came from, but... Uh, yeah. Verse 10, there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate. Now, the fish gate, that's where the merchants would go in. There's going to be a mournful cry from the merchants. There's going to be a wailing from the second quarter and a loud crashing from the hills, kind of like a stock market crash. Boom. Wail, you inhabitants of Maktish, for all the merchant people are cut down. All those who handle money are cut off. What he's saying there, the economy is going to fail completely and totally. Enough said on that. Verse 12, shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. That's interesting. God is saying, and, and again, this is this, he's using this analogy. God is searching Jerusalem with lamps. And the idea is there's no hiding. You're not going to be able to hide in, in the darknesses. They're not going to be able to hide in the crevices in some crack or in some back room. They're, it's not going to happen. He says, I'm going to search Jerusalem with lamps, and then I'm going to punish the men who are settled in, what does your word say? Complacency. Complacency kind of means, nah, it's no big deal. Evil is evil, good is good, it's no big deal. He, he kind of explains it here. Those who say in their heart that the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. So in other words, it doesn't matter what you do. God's not going to do anything. It's the mindset that so many people have. Some, even who claim themselves as believers, that God is the great watchmaker, and he wound the watch up, the earth, the world. He set it loose, and it's just ticking until it runs out and God stands back and lets the world keep ticking and keep going and keep rolling until it's run out. They have that idea that God's not involved with the day-to-day working of his creation, and yet the word of God all the way through it speaks about how involved he is in every aspect of our lives. And for those who say, ah, God doesn't do good, God doesn't do evil, God pretty much is up there, we're down here, we pretty well got to do what we got to do. That's that idea of complacency. And he says, I'm going to seek them out. I'm going to punish the men who are settled in complacency. Verse 13, therefore their goods shall become booty and their houses a desolation. They shall build houses, but not inhabit them. 
They shall build or plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. In other words, they're going to go through all of the motions. There's one other thing I wanted to give to you back in that time of complacency. I have a note here and I, I missed it. It was during the time of Rome that for the most part the people thought that just about every religion has some truth to it. The philosophers thought no religion had truth to it. And the politicians thought that all religions were useful. Now, that came out of the rise and fall or the decline of the Roman Empire, the book, the, the guy that wrote that. I don't know when that was written. I have no clue. I should have looked at that. But those three things right there, and again, I see our culture today. Our culture today that, everyone, well, your truth is your truth. You know, you know, we're all doing fine. You just believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what we believe. And, you know, just, again, it's fine. All roads lead to heaven, right? I mean, that is the concept that a lot of people have. And then there are the philosophers, or can we throw this into the, the, the group that call themselves the intellectuals, the, the Hawkins and a few of the others like that that says, you know, there's absolutely no truth in any religion. It's all just uh, the superstition of man. It's all the, the crutch and the devices of man. And then there's the politicians that will use anything and say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, you're one of those? Oh, yeah, I, I love that, man. I'll support that and I'll do that and just vote for me, okay? And that's why so many Christians get suckered, get suckered. Because so many times for votes, man, I'm being political tonight, but... I just can't help but but see it so many times. Let's finish this chapter. Verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. The great day of the Lord. Not just the day of the Lord. Now he's talking about the great day of the Lord. The great day of the Lord is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. They're the mighty men, not women, not the children, but the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath. Now, and again, we've shared with you before, I think every one of us have been under the, the disciplining of God in our lives one time or another. Uh, but that's a whole lot different than being under the wrath of God. Okay, Because if you're under the wrath of God, you may or may not be here, okay? Uh, the discipline and the wrath of God are two different things. Now he's talking about the wrath of God. That day, that great day of the Lord is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and the high towers. We could flip over to the book of Revelation and see, hey, maybe that's what he's speaking about there. And I kind of think that, again, as the prophet is speaking of right then, the Lord is also speaking to him of what will be also. He says, I'm going to bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men. It's interesting, blind men, walking like blind men. That means with, with no guidance, not knowing where they're at, not knowing where they're going. Because they've sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out 
like dust and their flesh like refuse. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's what? The, the wrath of God. And that's a big, big issue, church, as you're reading through any, particularly any of the, the Old Testament, when it speaks about that wrath of God, dealing with the great day of the Lord and the wrath of God. Again, paying attention to that. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. And I got a couple more minutes and I want to bring you here because in verse two, it's kind of brings it to the positive. I hate leaving you on an absolute negative. Okay. Here's the positive. He says, gather yourselves together. Yes. Gather together. Oh, undesirable nation. He's calling for national repentance. I just got to say this when, when I was younger, there was, there was the phrase that went around, get it together, you know, get it together. Some of you that, you know, my, my dad wanted to be cool. My dad was probably at that time as old as I am, maybe a little younger. And he says, you guys just need to gather it together. And we, we as his sons kind of laughed. And, uh, when, so when I read that this morning, I, I thought, gather yourselves together. Uh, no, God isn't trying to be cool here. He's trying to give a chance to a nation that has rebelled against him. And he says, you need to gather yourselves together. You need to get your act together, in other words, O undesirable nation, before the decree is issued or the day passes like chap, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice, seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. There's a multitude of times that the anger of the Lord came upon nations. And as the anger of the Lord and the disciplining of the Lord came upon the nations, those who were faithful to the Lord, those who are righteous, those who desired uh, to follow the Lord. The unfortunate reality is many times they were kind of caught in the wave of that. Maybe not as severe as others, but sometimes it can be. I, I look back and as God brought judgment on Egypt, and you remember all the plagues that came upon Egypt. And it's interesting, while Israel was right there in the middle of them, Israel wasn't hit by those plagues. They didn't have to deal with it. They came on the Egyptians. God knows how to, again, protect the remnant. Even as God brought, uh, again, his wrath upon the entire world through the flood, again, he protected Noah and his family by providing for them that ark, that, that, that way of, again, being protected from the wrath of God. And I see this verse here, and that you may be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. I am unabashedly, folks, I, I believe in the rapture of the church. I believe that there's going to come a time when God says, enough is enough. My wrath is going to be poured out on the earth. But God says, you and I as believers, we were not appointed to wrath. And he's going to take us out of here to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever 
be with the Lord. I think it's one of those, again, it's a principle that we see all the way back in Genesis. We see it uh, with the children, not only with, with Noah and the ark, but we also see it with, uh, 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 again, the, the children of Israel. There's, there's a multitude of other places that I'm drawing an absolute blank on in the Old Testament right now. We, we see, again, God's hand of protection on those that are His. And when God says, I'm going to pour my wrath on the earth, he says, but you know what? I'm going to hide you in the day of my anger. I'm going to hide you. I believe that we're going to be hidden in his presence. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue sharing with us from the Minor Prophets next time. What we'll learn is that even though many of these books are quite short, they are full of important prophetic insights. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to The Open Word Facebook page. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. The Open Word podcast is always available and completely free. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to the Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study as Pastor David shares insights from the Minor Prophets. That's next time on The Open Word.